As you all know, sharpfootballanalysis.com is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. NFL playoff packages are now available. With the divisional round upon us, visit sharpfootballanalysis.com to take advantage of Warren's lifetime NFL playoffs record, which hits at a 64% clip. And we're throwing in special benefit this year for all fantasy content. It's going to be free for subscribers throughout the playoffs. Get it now at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Hello, welcome to Sharp Angles Podcast. I'm Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar and TA, team over here at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Guys, here we are, divisional round. We made it through Super Wildcard Weekend. How are we doing today? Seven NFL games left. Uh, last week was a success. So I had a little burned out. We talked about it before the show, just with the two full days. But I think we ended up with four you know, really good games on the docket this week. I'm very excited about this slate and they're easy games for the NFL to sell uh, to, to the average fan here. So I think that they really got what they wanted out of last weekend and, and moving forward at this week. I'm definitely genuinely excited about these four games this weekend. Yeah, I love the uh, six-game format. My wife did not uh, have <laughs> essentially being locked, uh, you know, uh, spaced it out so much that I, you know, kind of blocked off all that time for, for two straight days, including my Browns, who came out with a huge huge win on Sunday night. But, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to these games, too. I think we got the, the best eight teams. And, in fact, I looked it up since week nine, so the second half of the season, uh, the top eight teams in net EPA per play all made it to this round. So we've got the eight best teams since, um, you know, the second half of the season uh, all here. So all deserving. And I think uh, we got a bunch of good games on tap and uh, looking forward to uh, hitting on a bunch of them. Yeah. I just, six games was too many. I think just before I, I think it was too much, especially, or if we're going to keep doing six games, you can't be put in the bad games as, as the middle game each day. Like you can't have me sitting at, to four o'clock on on Sunday afternoon after four games and make me watch Mitchell Trubisky like it's even the Nickelodeon broadcast couldn't do it like uh, we need to make sure that the middle game is the better one what um, if you bet the Saints then you, you definitely would I love watching Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic in my opinion uh sure yeah I guess I guess that was the way to do it but yeah it got to a point in, in both mid-afternoon games for me on Saturday and Sunday where it was just like this game needs to be better so I think we'll we'll structure the schedule a little better in next year hopefully uh since I'm assuming this is going to continue but like we said I, I think we did get the most interesting matchups that we could have for a divisional round and usually this is the best full football weekend uh, of the year uh, obviously, the conference championships, the Super Bowl are great, but the divisional round where you get you know the four best teams from each conference. Only one rematch. Yeah, so we're we're getting new new games, uh, and they're all super interesting. So let's just dive right into them. And I think just because there's four of them, we'll just go in order, hit all of them right here. So let's jump into uh, Saturday afternoon Rams Packers. Um, so this is an interesting one if you've been listening to this podcast because uh, some of us have been super high on the Rams and that's now uh, working out, I guess. It didn't right after that take was said um, with uh, losses to uh, the Jets. But um, 
as we continue to go, this is, I think, a super fascinating matchup because this is such a great offense for the Packers against a great offense or a great defense for the Rams. Uh, and then the other side of the ball is just kind of a wash. So as we dig in here, I'm looking at the line right now, six and a half uh, on DraftKings Sportsbook. Not sure if that's you know where uh, you guys have been looking at it. So uh, what, what are we taking for this game? Yeah, I mean, I, I personally... Um didn't take the game straight up. I actually uh, teased Green Bay down to essentially a pick them with the, and we'll talk about the, the Ravens bills in a little bit, but with the Ravens to eight and a half, um, I, I think, I think Green Bay wins this game, but I'm, you know, it's a lot of points to lay against, you know, as you mentioned, such a great defense. Um, and, you know, to me, it comes down to a couple things. I think, uh, you know, and you guys can talk schematically how, uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey and, and how what Braden, Brandon Staley's done with that defense and how he limits uh, offenses and essentially invites teams to run the ball. And it's just been incredible what they've done this year. Um, you know, really interesting to see what Aaron Rodgers and LaFleur does against that, against that defense and, and how, you know, Devontae Adams trying to, you know, gets open um, against those corners, not just Jalen Ramsey, but, you know, the rest of those corners have done a great job, but for me, um, you know, I don't, I just don't know if the Rams will score enough on offense. Um, not that I love the green Bay defense, but they're fourth in EPA per play, uh, on defense since, um, since week nine. So they've really improved in the back half of the year. Now they've had an easier schedule, but you know, they played a lot better and, you know, I still think they're kind of a middle of pack defense and good enough to hold down this Rams offense, which has really struggled, um, with or without that, uh, dislocated thumb for, for golf. And, you know, here we got Cooper cup who, who may not play, he, he's banged up and he's such a big part of that offense. Um, you know, golf, uh, you know, whatever you think of, you know, trends and narratives and things like that. He's just, you know, the fact remains, he's a California kid. We know he's soft. Like that's not even controversial. We just know that's, that's who he is as a player. Um, the guy's got a, a really bad thumb and he's going to have to grip a football, a frozen football uh, in cold temperatures. And he's really never done it before. Never done it. Well, uh, you know, I, I pointed out that, you know, the only one that I saw when I, when I did my research was, any game, by the way, that he played under 30 degrees in his career was in Chicago on a Sunday night in 2018 when they made the Super Bowl uh, through four interceptions it was the worst QB rating of his career. They scored six points that game. Um, and then I know, Rich, you had, you had pointed out uh, correctly as well. He played in Denver earlier that season. Uh, was also under 30 degrees um, and, you know, it was like 14 of 28 for 200 yards, no touchdowns and interception. It was the eighth worst QB rating game of his career. So, you know, yeah, small sample, but it's just kind of interesting to me that, you know, you got a guy who's got a dislocated thumb is going to have to, it's hard enough to grip a football, you know, to do it, uh, you know, in, in cold weather like that uh, against an improving defense um, without maybe your best weapon. So really hard for me to see the Rams um, score enough here to win the game. But like I said, this could easily be a, you know, a 20 to 17 type game. Um, Cause I think the, the Rams are going to hold down this offense enough um, to at least keep it interesting. But for me, from a betting perspective, um, I like Green Bay on on a teaser here. So uh, I don't know what you guys think in terms of, you know, like I said, schematics or anything else with, with these uh, two teams, but uh, that, that's the play that I'm, I'm using. Yeah. I mean, we, me and Dan a, a few weeks ago, both were on, uh, you know, on the record of saying that, you know, the, the Rams would be one of the teams that the Packers drew that could give them trouble. And, you know, this is just the 13th time in the Super Bowl era that the number one scoring offense is facing the number one scoring defense in the postseason. Uh, opposing defenses are 8-4 and four straight up. Uh, you know, it hasn't happened a lot of late, though, 
Uh, we're talking about, you know, 2016 was the last time it happened. It was the Falcons Patriots Super Bowl um, was the last time it happened. And it's happened just three times since the 1990 season that it's happened. Uh, that was that Falcons uh, Patriots Super Bowl, the Patriots versus the Seahawks in the 2014 Super Bowl. And then the Broncos versus the Seahawks defense in the 2013 Super Bowl, which was like an old fashioned you know, mid eighties Super Bowl, like me and TA grew up watching where the NFC doesn't vote race the AFC. Uh, so there is, a, you know, it's a, it's, it's an easy game to sell. Like, even though the Rams haven't been hot, it's easy just to, to pack this game and say number one offense versus number one defense and put it mm-hmm. on the table. And it's, it's really easy to sell that to people. Uh, the Packers have faced just four defenses this entire season in the top 10 in EPA, the Buccaneers, the Saints, the Eagles, and the 49ers. And I think two of those, the Eagles and the 49ers, really the average football fan doesn't even consider a really, really strong defense in totality. They're just, you know, they're above average, but not a defense that we expect teams to just shut down uh, on that level. So the Bucks and Saints, they faced the Saints in week three when the Saints were, you know, yet to find their stride in in typical Saints fashion, waiting for the end of the season to kind of, you know, start shutting teams down. Uh, But they scored 30 or more points in all those games except for one. If they do score three touchdowns in this game, that puts the, you know, the Rams in a bind like TA let in. I mean, this team even going back a month from now, I mean, this team just has not been productive in scoring touchdowns. They've scored a touchdown just four of their past 45 drives, uh, the past four games coming to this, going back to even the Jets game. Uh, they, they, they struggle to put the ball in the paint, and no matter what we believe the Rams is, are capable of limiting this Packers offense, the Rams are going to have to score touchdowns in this football game. Uh, you know, can they get them? Is this is a team we can clearly stock faith in in scoring touchdowns the way they played the last four, uh, the past month of football. It's really tough to really grasp onto that. You bring up the golf splits. It, you know, we don't know what's going on in this quarterback situation. And then just outside of Robert Woods and Cam Akers, like wh- what on the Rams side do we even have faith in right now? Uh, you know, the outside of quarterback play, what guys do we believe can make plays in this game, you know, with Cooper Cup potentially being limited if he does play? They just don't have horses offensively right now to, to, to believe. So it's going to have to be a grind-out slugfest game, I believe, for the Rams. When they're capable of it, I think they can move the ball, uh, you know, protect the football. I think they can run the ball just, to, you know, if they can limit Aaron Rodgers. Dan can talk about the Jalen Ramsey thing. I, I am on the f- thing that I don't believe that they're really going to have him shadow Devontae Adams as much as everyone else does. He's definitely going to find him. Don't, don't get me wrong. But uh, I don't think the Rams are really going to, you know, come really out of their shoes uh, knowing that they can't really get beat by other guys too. You know, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, uh, Big Bob Tanya. I don't think that the, the Packers have a lot of individual pieces that the Rams are genuinely worried that they have to, you know, uh, adjust everything that they want to do. So it's going to be an interesting game. I think it's really easy to sell. I do think the Packers could win, but if, the, I'm, if you're looking for an upset here, I think this might be the one because over the past – 20 years, only four times have all four favorites won in divisional round. This could be one where I could lean and say, yeah, I could see the Rams winning this game more than I can see the Browns winning it. Uh, or, uh, you know, maybe the Ravens or Bills or the Ravens or uh, Bucks. But, you know, I think that, that everyone has their own flavor of choice out of uh, upsets. But the, the quarterback situation for the Rams is what is really pushing me off maybe just going all in here. Yeah, and it's so what- – talk about the the golf thing in, in cold weather and go back to that Chicago game I think that was really the the tipping point 
that season where teams were starting to figure out that Rams offense and that there was uh, a very big blueprint. I think the week before uh, they had played the Lions and for, you know, all the things Matt Patricia has done wrong, he started to figure out late in that game that if you start playing back, playing quarters, uh, don't react as much to some of the Rams motion, uh, that can start to really stifle that Rams offense. And Chicago took that to an extreme uh, the next week. And then we saw the Rams offense really started to fall off on that point. So Chicago, I'm going to say that's probably, I'm sure the cold weather played a bit of a part, but that was really the first time where the massive scheme advantage uh, took over for that Rams offense. And we saw that going up to the Super Bowl where New England just, they had the blueprint from from those last couple games of the season, uh, from what the Lions did, from what the Bears did in that game. So, um, you know, we'll see what this, Rams offense can do and it's it's going to be a lot of short passes it's going to be a lot of cam acres the the um you know the Packers run defense it isn't great so I think it's going to probably be a heavy um a heavy cam acres game it's going to be a heavy boot game probably for Jared Goff they use that so much I just wrote about that uh, this week all the different ways some of these teams in the playoffs are, are using boot action uh, to open some things up and that's going to get Jared Goff out of the pocket because there's still some offensive line issues uh, there for them so that's going to get him away from pressure it's going to get the ball in the hands of you know Robert Woods Cooper Cup if he's uh, playing and healthy so I think they need to do that get some yards after the catch and that's how it's going to work but because it's probably going to be it's a type of you know slot fest a little bit because of what the Rams can do on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, we've, we've talked kind of talked about it all season, but um, they're just they're so good at at every level. They have someone who can be great at every level, and even though they're you know they're off-ball linebackers aren't great you know on third downs they're playing dime uh, at 54 percent of the time they're only playing dime on like nine percent of the time on early downs but they get to third down they're using that six defensive back 54 percent of the time and they're using guys like john johnson as the like off-ball middle of the field linebacker and they did that a bunch against the seahawks um john johnson was just breaking on routes that he knew was coming he had that nice breakup of a dk metcalf um, a play on a on third and seven, uh, like right in the middle of the field. So they're just using their playmakers uh, exactly where they need to be. And even without the Jalen Ramsey thing, just they're able to defend deep passes. And that's what this Packers offense was. They loved the deep pass. And that's how the other guys won, right, Rich? You said the Rams might not know if think the other guys can beat them that's how those guys won it was Marcus Valdez-Scantling getting open you know Robert Tanyan getting wide open 30 yards down the field for Tanyan some is, reason Tanyan has uncovered at least one play a game every Packers game yeah like so that's that's just that's not going to happen uh, against the Rams like he's not going to have that open space so if you look at 20 yard passes this year or passes that went at least 20 air yards the Packers were 37 of 72 it's 45.8 percent completion rate but uh 1265 yards that was first 12 touchdowns one interception on offense the rams defense on passes that went at least 20 air yards 12 of 53 that is a 22.6 percent completion percentage that was the lowest rate in the league on defenses allowed 411 yards uh, on all passes that went at least 20 air yards, that was the lowest. One touchdown, two interceptions. On go routes, just you know, going straight down the sideline, the Packers were 11 of 19 for 471 yards. Five touchdowns, no interceptions. So that They killed there. The Rams, the defense, one of 17. 
the one went for 42 yards, but one of 17, no touchdowns, one interception. The Rams just defend everything that the Packers want to do. And if they're going to go short, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been much better in the short to intermediate game. They've kind of worked that in. He's going to the check down more on the boot action that the Packers have done. That's really kind of forced Aaron Rodgers to be a little more efficient into that short and intermediate area because that's just uh, Packers offenses when it wasn't really clicking was Rodgers looking for the deep ball. And if it wasn't there, he'd throw it away. But now they have those kind of design plays where he can go short, but the the Rams are going to sit on those plays. Uh, they're sixth uh, have the sixth lowest broken tackle rate in the league. So not only are they funneling these short passes and funneling these runs, they're not missing tackles on these, which is why they're so effective. It's layers to this. So I think this is going to be a really low scoring game. And that's the type of game where the Rams can probably come out and, and either keep it close or potentially come out with a win. Yeah. And I mean, it, what can you imagine, you know, maybe you guys are, um, you know, a lot of the stuff you're talking about, like has me thinking the under, and I know that again, I'm already on the, with the teaser, but I, I might go under the Rams team total. Can you imagine if cup doesn't play too? And you got Alexander essentially locking down Robert Woods, like what in the world do you do if you're the Rams? I mean, we know that golf doesn't throw the ball deep at all. I mean, second low, you know, second lowest percentage of deep balls in the NFL among 38 quarterbacks. Um, and even when he does, he's terrible at it. <laughs> he's like bottom 10 in, in QB rating. Um, and you're not going to have potentially, you know, cup there, your best weapon. And, you know, if, if Alexander's able to neutralize Woods, like what in the world do they do besides just running Cam Akers off tackle? Like there's really nothing else they can do. You know, and we know golf can't run the ball like that's, you know, that might be an instance where you, you'd rather have Wofford in there, to be honest, if he's able to play just because he at least he can make some some um, some plays with his feet. We saw what Heineke did against Tampa last week in that Washington game. Similar situation, you know, at least you can, you can create some some, um, you know, some plays that way. I don't know what the Rams do offensively. And as you mentioned, you know, I think the the, the Rams defense is good enough to hold this hold any any great offense down um, to kind of the, the low 20s or, or upper teens. So, you know, I would look at, you know, if you didn't want to tease, I would look at the, the under here, potentially under the Rams team total. I think it's right around 20. Um, if uh, if Cooper Cup is, is announced out, that might be a play that, that I'm going to look at. But that's, you know, it's always interesting to see kind of best defense versus best offense. You know, we always, you know, wonder who comes out in those. And um, it feels like, you know, if you have a special quarterback and, and a great offense, they usually, um, you know, it seems like that's the way to go. But, you know, some of the numbers that Rich mentioned, you know, hasn't, it hasn't happened, hasn't been the case uh, the last handful of years. So uh, fun game. I, li- I like the contrast in styles. And uh, um, I- I'm curious to see if golf even finishes this game at this point. And one thing that helps the the Rams side too, if they want to play in like a, a muck fest, which I think they do, is the Packers are willing to play slow too. You know, they don't run a lot of plays per game. Part of it is because their efficiency is so good too per play, but their their games don't feature a lot of plays run. You know, typically, so I mean, it could be a, a game that doesn't just have a lot of doesn't feature a lot of plays if if teams aren't aren't efficient. So. Yeah, yeah 30 second in neutral this. play, <laughs> second, 32nd in, in seconds per play in neutral game situations. And I mean, they're 32nd across the board, literally in the first half overall, second half, even, you know, when um, they trail, when they're trailing by seven plus points, they're 31st <laughs> in pace. So this is the slowest team in the NFL by far um, on top of all those other, um, 
other other uh, reasons that you mentioned. So, um, yeah, we might just might have an old-fashioned sl- uh, low-scoring slugfest on our hands, which is something we're not used to anymore. But I am excited to, you know, obviously the, the drawing point will this will, will be the Adams-Ramsey angle and just Adams in general. And you look at the Rams' schedule this year, I mean, they face a host of good lead wide receivers this season. Um, they allowed what one, they allowed one 100 yard receiving game all season. It was to Debo Samuel who had a depth of target of 0.4 yards in the game, uh, or two And the other guy was Cole Beasley. They had two hundred yard games allowed this season to wide receivers, but they faced Terry McLaurin, Deandre Hopkins twice. Mm-hmm. They faced Stephon Diggs, uh, just a whole Deandre Hopkins. Uh, yeah, they've a lot of, a lot of good wide receivers on this slate that they faced, uh, this season. And they've, They've done a really good job, uh, and they and they haven't asked Ramsey to always shadow those guys, uh, you know, the entire game. And I don't think that they will. They like to use him in situations near the line of scrimmage. They like to use him in situations where he blitzes. Sometimes uh, they get creative with him because he's such a good all-around player and he's such a good tackler. Like Dan said, you know, he's not one of these corners that is not. He's 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 going to come up and hit some guys, uh, and they like to use him in that capacity in the run game as well. So I mean, it's you know. Uh, it, it's a, it's a definitely the dynamic because we the Packers need Devonte Adams to excel because we kind of hit on all their other guys. They don't this matchup doesn't lend itself to any of their ancillary players. Uh, well, you know, but do we? So, yeah, I mean, do we see a situation? Remember last week, you know, Metcalf broke open on uh, kind of a yep, broken yeah, play scramble. Yeah, and do we see? I mean, you only need one of those to really you know mm-hmm. to, to make a difference here. You know, maybe we have a Rodgers kind of gets out of a sack and. <clears throat> makes a play like that um, and look and not this is not to be discounted but there are people a lot of a lot of people out there say that um, you know that that turf is just a slick turf at Lambeau Field especially when it's cold you know a, a guy could slip in the secondary and you know they might have the right cleats like that those things matter in a game like this where one one broken big play can make the difference so um, you just never know like you could have the best defense in the world and uh, uh, you know a broken broken situation like that um, can create a touchdown. So um, I think that's what Green Bay is going to need. They're going to need probably one of those to, to occur. Um, and they should be good. Like I said, if they get to 20, I'm pretty, I feel pretty good that they're going to win this game. I think it will catch up to him eventually when you are in your offense is so dependent on one player. And we've seen it last year. You know, it's a small sample when you're going back to just teams that make the playoffs like this. But remember the Saints last year with Michael Thomas, you know, just you lean on one player so heavily in your passing game that when that player doesn't able to carry the whole tide, like, you know, he wasn't that game against the Vikings a year ago, uh, you know, that your offense kind of just kind of hits, gets kind of spoked out. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if that does happen to the Packers at some point this postseason, even if it doesn't happen here. Uh, Cause you know, De- Devontae Adams has just been so, they've been so contingent on his production in the passing game that it's just, it's just, you just don't see it often anymore in today's NFL where it's just one wide receiver having to do all of this lifting. Yeah. So the Javante Adams is so interesting because you really look at with his touchdown production. uh, I made a clip of some of his uh, red zone touchdowns uh, this year, and it started with, you know, getting him in some type of misdirection, either like a, some type of whip route or him going one way, cutting back the other way to get, uh, space on a corner and later in the year it just kind of turned into there was a run play called and if Rogers liked the one-on-one 
that Adams had, he just would throw it to Adams. And that's what it became. Like, that's how much faith they had in what Devontae Adams could do, especially down in the red zone, where the Packers were the best team in the league. First in uh, points per red zone trip, uh, first in touchdowns per red zone trip. So uh, that is going to be uh, something to watch there, where they just have, they have so much faith in what he can do and the ability to just get open on his own when there's not really a, a play in structure. There were, you know, some fades and, and stuff like that. Um, where they were just if he was one-on-one in the red zone that's where he went uh, and then one note to hit if uh before we move on here the rant or green bay was 28th in dvoa against running back passes so uh, this might be a uh, cam Akers uh the catch and run uh type game he's probably going to be heavily involved uh, in the run game uh and we might see him catch a, a few more passes uh, than than he's done in previous games and that might be you know that secondary option outside of uh, robert woods that the the rams can get going if they need to create uh some some offense uh, so let's move on to uh, the next game, which I think is probably the most fun game uh, of the weekend, at least the one I'm probably looking forward to uh, the most. Just two r- ridiculously fun teams, ridiculously fun offenses here, and that is uh, the Ravens and Bills is the Saturday night game. Right now, the Bills are minus two and a half per DraftKings Sportsbook as I look at this. So uh, how, are, how are we looking at this game? Yeah, as I mentioned before, uh, you know, I teased uh, the the Ravens up to eight and a half. Um, just I feel a little, you know, protected there. I mean, in Lamar Jackson's, you know, close to forty starts in his career, um, the Ravens have only lost by over six points three times. Like this, you know, the, the, no nobody is um, uh, blowout proof, but you know, uh, they're close. And when you have a well coached team like uh, like the Ravens, um, you know, kind of battle tested, I, I feel good about getting over you know, the two key numbers, three and seven, whenever you tease, you want to do that. So, um, you know, I like that here. I just, I honestly don't know who's going to win this game. <laughs> it's such a good, good matchup. Um, I mean, you have, you have uh, the Ravens great run offense against, you know, the biggest weakness on the entire bills team uh, is that run defense. You know, they're second worst in the NFL on an EPA per, per run uh, basis and success rate basis and they've allowed a bunch of explosive plays like they they can get beaten on the ground we saw that with Jonathan Taylor and Hines last week um, now they they didn't run as uh, they didn't get those big chunks until later in the game when Buffalo was playing a little bit more conservative but um, you know it's there and it's really hard to stop Lamar even if you have a great defensive um, game plan so I think the Ravens are gonna be able to chew clock I, I just looked at the weather because you never know in Buffalo but Saturday night is you know um, looks like it's gonna be uh, some rain uh, possibility not it's like 15 to 20 percent chance of rain uh, and the wind is looking you know looking kind of upper teens to gusts uh, close to 30 miles an hour so keep an eye on that it seems like it's getting worse by the day so that obviously favors the Ravens here because they're just going to keep the ball on the ground. Um, and you never know, you know, Josh Allen has struggled with some of these um, you know, windy precipitation games. Uh, we saw that with the, with the Patriots earlier in the year, where they almost lost outright at home. Uh, we saw that um, against the Jets where they only scored 18 points and in the, uh, the Chiefs game where they couldn't do much on offense. So um, he hasn't had a ton of success when it's uh, kind of windy and, and wet. So keep an eye on that. Uh, I think this is going to be a lower scoring game. Um, 
you know, I, I think that uh, um, both teams will move the ball, but I think it's going to be at a slower pace. And we know the Ravens, you know, can, can chew a lot of clock. And again, the fact that they, they have that advantage in, in, on the ground, um, you know, really plays in their hands. And, you know, they can convert a lot of those third and shorts with their run, run game. So uh, I, I think it's a toss-up. I think, you know, normally the Ravens have a huge special teams edge. Uh, they did last week against the Titans. But this week, you know, they're facing their match. Buffalo's top five in um, DVOA special teams as well. Um, both teams are really good in, uh, on kickoff and kickoff returns and punt and punt returns. And, and, you know, they, you know, I'm not sure there's an advantage there. So uh, really, really good game. I think the the line's about right at two and a half. And that's why I like the teaser here. Yeah, this game is, is a ton of fun. I mean, listen, I've, I've openly been stumping for the bills the entire season. Uh, I'm still rooting for them. Uh, the only thing is, again, you know, I look at the this team with the Bills and the, and the Chiefs and the way they've structured their teams, and these teams need domes, man. They, what are these cities doing? Put these teams in some domes. You'd hate to you'd hate to see just weather impact this this Buffalo offense because this team is built to play in 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 just open weather, man. Like just not in rain and precipitation they're not a team that wants to come out and run the football they're not an established run team they don't they're down a back in this game with Zach Moss being out and turning to Devin Singletary the you know the smaller of the two backs uh and the guy that they don't use in in short yarded situation uh so you're out him uh so if they're really limited and they have to alter their game plan I think it definitely hurts them like TA said uh this, this Ravens team, I have a few things I definitely believe is going to catch up to them at some point. You know, the offensive line's been a problem all year. I mean, Lamar has been sacked on 7.2% of his dropbacks. It was 5.4% last year. They He sacked five times by the Titans last week, uh, was under pressure. Even the touchdown run he had was a play, it was a third and long where he was under pressure, and he did this Lamar. That was a like, great run, though. What, oh, what was – it's all so amazing. I mean, uh, you know – you know, Byard's in the spy, you know, 15 yards downfield. It doesn't even touch him. It doesn't, doesn't even come close to touching him. Uh, just That's what Lamar does, man. He breaks these plays. The Bills had a great game plan against MVP version of Lamar a year ago in a game that also had some windy weather as well. I mean, they only gave up 40 rushing yards to Lamar last season. It was the second fewest he had in a game all of last season outside of the week one game against the Dolphins where he just blitzkrieged them. Uh, and, you know, the Bills were in that game late, and that was a different offensive version of the Bills, uh, a, a very much subpar version to the one we've seen on the field for the Bills this season. I do think the Bills are uh, just an outright better team than the Ravens right now, which, you know, a lot of people probably won't agree with. But uh, I do. It just depends if, you know, if the weather really can impact this game for Josh Allen and this offense because this team is built to throw. I think they can give the Ravens problems, you know, throwing heavily on them. Uh, the Ravens have not faced a great schedule of opposing offenses this season uh, and they've given up some points to some of the better offenses that they faced uh, so I definitely believe Josh Allen can you know and Josh Allen's been good against all the good defenses that they faced especially teams that are blitz heavy like the Ravens uh, if you can get pressure home on Josh Allen he is bad against pressure uh, but you know you have to get there uh, so I mean we'll see if the you know the Ravens can kind of get there because uh, you know against other teams in the top 10 and blitz rate uh, he has thrown multiple touchdown passes in seven of those eight games uh, this season so I mean the, the Ravens are going to have to get home with pressure in this game uh, if the weather doesn't kind of slow down this Bills offense but I like the Bills here uh, I'm just very scared about the weather uh, and then that's that's kind of where I'm at with it I think the Bills have an advantage if if the weather isn't a problem. Well, it's interesting too. Jimmy Smith, you know, essentially came back last week. He was out for a bunch of games. It was questionable. I mean, he's really good. So now you've got a full set of, you know, corners out there with Humphrey and Jimmy Smith. 
Uh, the one guy you might want to attack is Marcus Peters. I know we talked offline about this, but yeah, he's susceptible to double moves and, um, you know, he likes to cheat. So, you know, maybe he gets on a Gabe Davis, who's really, uh, you know, the biggest deep threat, uh, you know, outside of Diggs for Buffalo. Um, if they've got enough time, if they pick up the blitz or if, if Allen's able to kind of get out of some of those blitz situations, the pressure situations, you know, look for Gabe Davis to, I mean, that's for me from a prop perspective, that's one that I might take a look at. I think, you know, all he'll probably need to do is catch one long one to get over whatever his yardage total is, but he's a guy I would keep an eye on. I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup because these corners are really good, um, really healthy. And so, um, you know, if they're able to, to keep, uh, you know, those receivers in check, it's obviously going to be a big factor here. Yeah. And you look at Baltimore, they've, you know, gotten slightly better um in uh in playing their coverage it was a little it wasn't as good uh in the beginning of the season they had a rough start but ended up sixth in DVOA against a deep passing so uh, that's kind of where you know Buffalo has really set it up and you know like you said you have the the potential of some of those you know, manufactured deep plays. I think if you have some type of a double move, you saw uh, last week against Indianapolis. So all Buffalo did all season, I think we've kind of talked about this before, is they hit those just short and intermediate routes with Stephon Diggs. He wasn't really the deep wide receiver uh, for this team. He was hitting curls all the time. He would set up that vertical stem and then cut off for the curl. And uh, they just, Buffalo just hit that all, all season. It was, I think, uh, about a third of its targets and a quarter of its yards just came off curl routes, and that's uh, per uh, Sports Info Solutions uh, data. And then you saw uh, last week on his deep touchdown, uh, TJ Carey was just uh, waiting for the curl. He had, was flat-footed. He was ready to break on the ball, and Diggs just ran right past him. So I think there's the potential to do that for Baltimore um, against an aggressive defense like that. And one other thing that we could see uh, Buffalo potentially do to take advantage of the aggressiveness of uh, Baltimore are screens. Um, the Ravens had one of the highest uh, rates of screens run against them. Uh, they had one of the highest um, EPA per play uh, against them uh, on screen passes. And the Bills ran the 10th most screens uh, this season, the 7th uh, most yards and they were second in total EPA on screens. So I think we could see that. And there was a, a bit of a, a point during the season where John Brown, when he was you know starting to not be healthy, he wasn't really connecting on those deep passes. Um, the, the connection between him and Josh Allen deep just wasn't happening. So there was just a, a stretch of the season, like a, you know, f- about four games where John Brown just became the screen guy. And they had really nice design screens where they were going to like 20 yards at a clip um, and just there were uh, super well-blocked guys in front uh, and John Brown had room to run. So I think that's a potential here uh, for the bills to uh, be going and, and take advantage of some of that. And then the blitzing, that's, that's how you slow down the pass rush there. You get those screens and I think they can, uh, you know, continue to uh, gain some yards there. And uh, it's going to be super interesting with Zach Moss out. It, you know, could shift some of what, the Buffalo does it could be using you know four wide a little more which they did at the second highest rate in the league behind Arizona this year um and the Ravens only saw two snaps uh this season against 10 personnel so you know they are pretty deep in the secondary um but they're not ready to go you know four wide deep so I think that's going to be uh an interesting dynamic uh in this game too when we see how those two two play out 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be a culture shock when, uh, you know, because very few teams run the four wide. Like you said, it's it's really Buffalo and Arizona um, to, to step on the field and be like, oh, shoot, now I got to uh, defend the four wide, um, which, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens when uh, when they decide to blitz because you're putting those corners out on an island there when you're bringing extra pressure and you're taking a shot. Um you know, it'll be interesting. Maybe there's a, a referee pattern. Like, who who are the referees? Or do they call a lot of pass interference uh, out there? Because, you know, you could see Josh Allen just kind of chuck the ball up and hope for a call. You never know. Like, those little things can make the difference in a game like this. Um, you know, so it is interesting. I'm looking um, at, at the Sharp Football Stats uh, webpage. And so it looks like Baltimore has faced 10 personnel only five times. Uh, I think you mentioned uh, a couple times. Um, but they've faced um, four wides um, in, in, I guess, what uh, one personnel, if you want to call it that, uh, 23 times. They've allowed a 74% success rate, which is interesting. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know how many times they've actually had all their corners healthy at the same time. So, um, you know, it'll be uh, – I, I think that's a good point on the screens because that's always – tough like if you're again if you bring extra pressure and you're able to get the, the lineman out and you're able to complete the pass to the, to the running back or receiver um you're in a huge advantage on that screen so um you know maybe they'll use singletary you know out in open field or, or john brown as you mentioned uh, in those spots i think that's a, that's a good uh kind of good analysis there but i think this is overall pretty pretty tight game i think it's by far the the, the, the most fun game i think from a um you know uh matchup standpoint and I think the fact that it's Saturday night is perfect. <laughs> I think it's, it's absolutely perfect. So um, it's, a, it's a great, great matchup here. Two really well-coached teams. And, um, yeah, I think this is going to be a great game. Yeah, when you look at the, the other side of the ball, I'm going to be really interested to see how Baltimore adjusts their offense. I think you saw when we were going, they were going against you know, Tennessee. That early game plan it did not really work. You know, Tennessee had – an answer for everything uh, Baltimore wanted to do. There was a lot of, you know, four shots uh, down the field that that interception that Lamar threw uh, at the beginning of the game oh. like that, th- there was potential there, but it was, you know, a, a terrible throw. Um, and, but I, I think they, they were tr- uh, pressing a little too much to get some stuff open down the field. They were just trying to get these shots because they thought they had to match what Tennessee was going to do, although the defense was able to hold the Titans down. But then you saw it toward the end of the second quarter and into the second half, they really started um, just getting – easier uh easier passes uh a lot of shorter stuff uh, a lot of schemed open throws you had that uh uh marquise brown the the orbit motion where he comes and and turns back around the way he came that worked really well the first time they tried it again for a second time it only got about four yards but that was the type of stuff there were a couple things where uh marquise brown was uh, in a tight alignment um, and then a nice quick out that just got him into space and some room to run. So he didn't have to, you know, be winning downfield all the time, which he has you know, struggled with a little bit. And that connection hasn't been there. Uh, but Baltimore was able to uh, open some things up. There was a point in like the second quarter where like 75% of uh, Lamar's throws were into uh, a tight window. Um, and I think it was about 45% at halftime. And then it ended the game at 25 so I think you can see with the decrease there, they were you know figuring out how to get him more open throws, and I think that's something you can potentially scheme up uh, against 
uh, against Buffalo. And uh, when you read their, their run game, I mean, their, their power run game has really worked well um, over the second half of the season when Jackson has been able to, you know, get going a, a little more, you know, uh, Bradley Bozeman and Ben Powers have been, you know, really good on the interior. Uh, we don't talk a lot about line play uh, on this podcast, but I mean, they've been really good. You know, Bradley Bozeman was 10th in pass block win rate per ESPN and sixth in run block win rate. Ben Powers was eighth in run block win rate. Um, during the regular season, they're doing a lot more power with, you know, uh, with Bozeman as the puller, uh, and he has been great. So I think they can potentially be getting that uh, with some long runs for J.K. Dobbins. The, the power has been working with Lamar Jackson. That's how some long runs have been set up. Um, so I think we'll we'll see how that goes. And, and Buffalo has, uh, you know, a couple really good interior pass rushes that they just kind of uh, rotate in. Um, you know, Jerry Hughes has been great on the edge. I think way better than a lot of people have have realized his super high in pressure rate. He was uh, tops in uh, uh, pass rush win rate from ESPN. But, you know, when you have, you know, Ed Oliver uh, is being great uh, on the interior. You have guys like... Um, uh, uh, Quentin Jefferson, uh, who has come in, they have a couple other um, really good uh, rotational interior rushers. And I think if they can get some interior pressure while still holding the edge, and I think that's really what uh, Tennessee did well for that first half of the game. Um, so we'll see how that continues to go forward. I think we can move on to uh, the next game, which is... Uh, uh, again, another interesting game. We're just going to say that for every game, but <laughs> uh, the Browns and Chiefs. The Browns had that crazy upset o- over the Steelers, where pretty much everything that could have broken right for them in the beginning of the game did. I mean, when you're uh, starting your second drive, like up fourteen nothing, that's that's a pretty nice thing. That's probably not going to happen against the Chiefs. They're probably going to happen. Uh, they're going to have to uh, play a-, a little more to uh, even score points in this game, I think. And the Chiefs are just this team that you know a lot of people have felt have been just inevitable that they're the best team in the league but they haven't always played like that you know they're uh not even a top five team in dvoa right now and i think that's just because of you know the opponents they've played how they've let inferior opponents um hang tight in the game and what i'm interested in is if the chiefs have been you know slow playing this where they've been okay not showing their hand in the regular season because they knew what the playoffs were going to bring or if this is just the Chiefs where defenses really were stressing them out and they didn't have you know those plays in the bag until late in the game so I'm interested in if that late in the game offense is going to be a whole game offense now for the Chiefs when they know they have to score or if this is something that uh, we can potentially see uh, the Browns take advantage of in this game right now it's uh, per DraftKings Sportsbook a uh, 10 point spread uh, Chiefs minus 10 uh, so uh, how are we looking at this game yeah I mean you look at the Chiefs they've their largest favorite of the weekend, and they've been the coldest team against the spread coming into the playoffs. I mean, even if you throw away week 17, they're, they, they haven't covered since week eight, and they haven't, their past seven wins have all been by six points or fewer. Uh, some of those games that were backdoor covers, and they allowed some points in the end of huge leagues. But uh, their games have been tight, you know, in the second half of these games. And, you know, the, you think about this game, and they played Atlanta, you know, before, you know, in, in week 16, and they were, they were really flat that game. And like you said, too, that's almost like they're goofing around at certain points. They run that play where Mahomes is the receiver uh, on fourth and one. It's like they're just they're just like throwing stuff at the wall a little bit and having fun and then kind of turning out at the end of games. 
but yeah, this game from a, just an overall stance, and you know, TA is definitely bringing up some nuggets about teams resting their players and how they perform. But this game screams me, even with the high point total of being a high scoring game. I mean, you look at the Browns this season. Well, the Browns defense isn't very good in, in particular anyways. Uh, but the Browns have had just six games the entire season against teams in the top half of the league in offensive EPA. Two of those games, the Raiders and the Texans came in inclement weather where nobody could move the football through the air. But if you look at those other four games, the other four games have combined to feature 66 combined points per game. Uh, so that we can definitely live up to this high point total. And there's a reason it could still go over, even despite, you know, climbing up to, you know, the 57 point range. I'm curious because I think a lot of people look at the Browns and they say, well, they've got Kareem Hunt and they've got Nick Chubb. They've got this great offensive line. They're just going to be able to line up and run the football, push the Chiefs around, limit possessions. I don't really believe that's going to be the Browns' approach. I think they're going to do what they've done to close the season, and they're going to be aggressive to start this game. I think they're going to be aggressive uh, and try to put points up on the board. Uh, if you look at, you know, through 11 weeks, they had thrown the ball in just 46% of their first and second down plays outside of the fourth quarter. That was 29th in the league. Uh, from week 12 on, exiting that those that stretch of poor weather games, uh, they thrown the ball in 59% of early downs outside of the fourth quarter. It's the ninth highest rate in the, in the league. Baker Mayfield's been good on those passes. Uh, uh, eight touchdowns, one interception. I mean, over his past seven games, he's got 14 touchdowns and one interception. Uh, he's been awesome. The Chiefs' pass defense has been very leaky uh, the, the back half of the season. Uh, seven and a half yards per pass attempt allowed over their past eight games, opposed to just 6.6 the opening eight games. They allowed just nine passing touchdowns their opening eight games. They've allowed 20 the final eight games of the season. Uh, so the, I think the Browns can actually surprise people and come out and be aggressive like they've been the back half of the season. We've even seen it against the Steelers. They came out a aggressive throwing the football, even when they had a 12 point lead going into the fourth quarter after Mike Tomlin had that egregious punt, the Browns didn't just climb up and say, it's the fourth quarter. We're up two scores. We're going to run the football. They threw five of those next six plays and go and score a touchdown and basically ice that game. This offense, I think is a lot more aggressive than people are giving it credit for due to their personnel. And I think we will see the Browns come out and play aggressively on offense uh, and then probably do more of like the shell coverage and do stuff on defense to try to limit plays, uh, which is the point you brought up on a podcast or, or a phone call throughout the week. As I, but I do believe the Browns are going to be aggressive offensively in this game. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the key for uh, a Browns upset. I, I've seen a lot of you know people talking about how the Browns can you know keep possession uh, on the ground and, and run uh, and and limit what the Chiefs can do offensively. But I think it's it's got to be the other way around if you want to win. I think you come out aggressive uh, because. You know, you've said this also, the, the only teams that have come close uh, to the Chiefs have been the ones that have you know, gone, you know, point for point with them. So I think what you do on defense is you do play that too high that we've seen, you know, so many other um, defenses play this year that have just been your only goal is to stop the big play. Um, you don't want the Chiefs to be scoring in two plays. You just, you, for as aggressive as the Browns have been, you can't hang with the Chiefs doing that. So if you play that, uh, you know, a little conservative coverage, but you make the Chiefs uh, keep possession and have them go on long drives, make them work for their scores. Uh, If you're going to have the Chiefs go on 10, 11 play drives, fine. I think you'd rather do that than have them score in three plays like they've been able to do um, in past games. So I think you make the Chiefs play possession ball on offense. And if you're going to get killed by, you know, 200 yards to Travis Kelsey uh, on short and intermediate routes, I I think you take that over the quick scores. So I think you make the Chiefs play possession ball and then you get aggressive 
aggressive on offense uh, and try to get those quick scores, which I think they, I think the Browns can potentially do. And they've schemed up some really good stuff uh, this season. They've gotten some, some really nice open plays, especially off play action with the chiefs can be susceptible to a little bit. And, you know, I've written about this for a while dating back to last year that, that Kevin Stefanski bootleg to the left. Um, so many teams use uh, bootlegs just to stretch teams defenses horizontally um, and create some open throws like that. I think that's what you're going to see, you know, in green Bay and the Rams, two teams that have used uh, bootlegs at some of the highest rates in the league. But what the Browns do is they not only create that horizontal stress, they're pushing vertically uh, off of these. And Stefanski did this last year with Kirk Cousins, um, and he's done it again with with Baker Mayfield. Uh, they're bootlegging to the left where teams just aren't expecting a quarterback moving or right-handed quarterback moving to his left to be able to throw just in general. Um, and not only just throw, but he's throwing some stuff downfield. And it's not just limiting these plays uh, to the, you know, the left side of the field. These, these boots aren't cutting off the field. They're not half field reads. Um, They're getting open uh, in the middle of the field. They're getting open deep to the right of the field with, you know, throws all the way across the field. Uh, And, you know, the Baker's been averaging uh, 10 air yards per completion uh, when he throws on bootlegs to his left. So I think just that type of misdirection is the type of stuff I think you can get the Chiefs. Um, you, you can catch them off guard. So I think there's the potential to, to some, some big plays here. And uh, you make the Chiefs work their way towards scores. I think you try to do that quick hitting offense. I think you flip the roles a little bit over what a lot of people would expect the game plan to be. I think that would be... Um, you know, uh, the blueprint to, to a Browns upset, if that is going to be the case. Yeah. So, you know, I guess first off, we're just happy to be here. That's first and foremost as a Browns fan, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I, there's so many good points you guys made and, um, here's how I'm looking at this. So I think you guys mentioned, look, the Browns are going to have an advantage on the ball. Um, 31st in the DVOA run defense or the chiefs. Um, the Browns have faced, um, uh, six teams in the bottom 12 in DVOA run defense this year, 5.4 yards per carry, 60% success rate, which is just insane. Um, four of the six games, they gained over 200 yards rushing. Okay, so obvious they've got that advantage. But as Rich mentioned, you know, they've been throwing the ball a lot lately, especially early. Um, you know, everyone just assumes, oh, establish a run. But this is a smart front office, smart coaching staff, like very analytically based uh, uh, group of guys. And we – uh, we're big fans of them, right? They do a lot of this, the, the positive EV stuff that we, we always talk about. You throw early. I've been tweeting about it for forever. Throw early to win, then you, you kind of stomp on their throat by, by rushing the ball. Um, that's the way they've been doing. If you look since week 12, again, uh, that's past all the bad weather games. Um, they've actually thrown the ball at the fifth highest rate in the first quarter in the NFL. And they've done it at the third best success rate in the NFL. So they're throwing early and they're throwing really well. I mean, you look at how they get ahead in that Tennessee game. They were, they were throwing the ball at will early on while the Titans were just, you know, slamming Derrick Henry uh, straight up the middle on, for, on every first down. And the Browns took a huge lead, and, and they essentially blew them out. Um, you know, they did it last week, too. I mean, their first touchdown was that, that Jarvis Landry, um, you know, catch and run. So, you know, one on one you know side of the ball, you know, they should, you know, potentially just throw the ball early, like you said. Now, I will say – I'm curious to see how they play it because if you use kind of the old golden state uh, model, like where 
their whole idea was when they had the, the big three is like, we want as many possessions as possible. We think that, you know, the more possessions you have, the odds are greater that the, the better team will win. Right. So do the Browns really want to be in just a track meet with the chiefs? Cause I know the, the Browns are not going to be able to stop them. Um, even if they do try to limit them, I mean, Kelsey would just kill them. <laughs> Kelsey's going to kill them up the middle. If they do that, you know, covered uh, too high, like he's just going to destroy that, that, that defense over the middle, um, which is fine, I guess, if, if you slow it down. Um, but do you want to go kind of possession for possession with them? I don't know. I, I have no idea what they're going to do. I think you just got to mix it up. You just got to play your, the same game plan you had. And you just, I mean, the goal is just to score touchdowns like this, whatever, if it's one player, if it's 50, just as long as you are scoring touchdowns and not kicking field goals. I mean, the good news is you got, uh, Stefanski, who, who's really aggressive on fourth down. So he's not going to, you know, make some of these cowardly punting decisions that we saw from Mike Tomlin and, and Mike Vrabel last week. Um, so that's a good news. Like if, once you get past the 40, I think he's going to go for it a lot if it's, you know, fourth and five or less. Um, so that's good. But I think they're just going to, just going to play what they've been doing uh, in terms of strategy wise on offense. They're going to, they're going to start early, they're going to throw the ball, mix in the run and hopefully get success that way. Um, I will say there's some interesting things here. I took the over already. I took it at 56, already up to 57. I saw some 57 and a half um, late last night. So, you know, the market's with me, which is good. Um, I'm a little nervous because there are, there is a recent trend of these teams that have sat their starters in week 17 and then had a bye first week of the playoffs. In the last 10 years, we've seen this happen six times. Um, five of those teams were favored. Um, none of them covered uh, four of them lost outright, which is insane considering these are big spread games. I mean, you're talking about teams that are favored by 10, eight and a half, seven, five and a half, eight. Like these are big, big uh, favored teams. Like teams are supposed to win that high probability of winning. Not only are they not covering, they're losing at an alarming rate. We saw it last year with the Ravens, 10 point favorites. Um, sad everybody week 17 got the buy and they only scored 12 points against the Titans. Uh, we saw the saints two years ago. Now they did win. Uh, over Philadelphia um, in the divisional round, but uh, they only scored 20 points uh, in that game and did not cover eight and a half point spread. So we've seen it over and over um, the last 10 years. Now, maybe it's, you know, again, small sample size, but I think it's interesting. And if you look at the first quarter scoring from those six teams, here's the scoring output in those six games in the first quarter from those teams, zero, 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 three, three. Like these teams are coming out cold. Um, which is, you know, something that you, you would expect. So I'm curious to see how this, this starts out. I think the Browns should just pounce on them as much as they can. Just start throwing. Um, who cares if you've got that run advantage? Just throw when you can and get out to that lead. If you can get out to a 14 nothing lead, like, you still may not win um, because we've seen the Chiefs come back. We saw it last year in the playoffs against Houston. We saw it against Tennessee. But at least it, it gives yourself a shot. Um, and with that run game in the second half, maybe you can – close them out where, you know, teams like the, the Texans who cannot run and Houston and uh, Tennessee who, um, you know, were very predictable with, with Derrick Henry. Maybe you can close them out. I, I don't know. That, that would, it seems like a miracle, but that's probably the best way to do it in my opinion. So with all that being said, I think that the, the, the over is correct here because I don't see any way that the Browns um, stop this, um, this, this, this Kansas city offense. I mean, the Browns are really relied on turnovers this year. Um, they're third best in the NFL in, in turnovers per drive force. We saw five last year or last week, obviously. Um, if you exclude those turnover drives, they're 26 um, in, in points per drive allowed at almost three per drive. 
if you take out the three bad weather games where you know they benefited uh, because uh, the offenses could not move the ball through the air, they're second worst in the NFL at 3.2 points per drive. So uh, Kansas City has played five teams that rank in the bottom 10 in, in points per drive allowed in kind of non-turnover uh, situations. They've scored 32 plus in all five games. Like it doesn't, it wouldn't shock me here if they score 40. So uh, that's why I like the over. I think it's going to be a good game. I think the Browns can match them um, to some degree. And it's going to be a matter of, can they jump out early? Cause that's really their only way to do it. And, you know, maximize their possessions, you know, don't punt when, when you shouldn't and don't kick field goals when you shouldn't. And I, I have confidence in this coaching staff in this front office. That's what they're built on is these positive EV um, situations. So, um, I love the coaching staff here and, you know, a lot of a good Andy Reed off by situations too. I mean, he's really good against the spread. So, uh, kind of, um, the two of the forces, uh, colliding here, but I think we're going to see a really good game. I mean, to me, this is like a, a 38, uh, 28, 38, 30 type of game, kind of right around that spread number, but I think it goes over the total. Yeah, this is just, it's going to be one of the more fascinating uh, games to watch where it, it feels like there are so many different iterations of this game that could play out. And I think that's probably, you know, we have kind of the, the blueprint for the other two games we've talked about kind of, we, we know where the matchups are and how they can play out. But I think the Brown Chiefs, I think the, the range of outcomes, I think is uh, potentially the most interesting and, and the widest here. Um, so Oh, let's move on to uh, the final game of the weekend. And maybe that is what I just said uh, goes for this game, which has been, uh, you know, the Saints Buccaneers, uh, they've already played twice. We've already talked about how uh, variant the, the Buccaneers can be, uh, especially when they're playing the Saints. We have, you know, uh, you know, a slightly close game uh, to start the season, then a complete blowout uh, uh, later on. Um, but uh, Tampa Bay is playing uh, probably uh, its best football uh, right now uh, against uh, the Saints, who are, you know, kind of also it's starting to click a little bit, uh, you know, it droned a, a little bit on against the Bears. Probably that should have been more of a blowout than I think it ended up being, even though the Bears uh, were not very good. The final score was... Um, you know, just kind of showed a bit of dominance, but we'll see you. So right now, Buccaneers uh, plus three um, against the Saints. This is in New Orleans. Um, so what are we uh, looking at for this game? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this one. I'm okay with this one being the one rematch because, you know, we've got that nice over 40 QB narrative, you know, going on. Uh, I, I'm actually digging this whole like Brady thing too with the Bucks uh, to kind of see where it goes. You know, if, if just both of these, if both the Patriots and, and the Buccaneers and Brady himself would have just been bad this year, we would have nothing, no story, right? Like this is, this is fueling that, you know, kind of, uh, the, the narrative of him leaving and, you know, the Patriots obviously not making the playoffs. Uh, and, you know, Brady's playing his best football, you know, of, of late, basically since these last two teams played and they got Blitzkrieg and got boat raced out in Tampa Bay. Uh, Brady's been, you know, has been excellent, you know, and he was last week too. Uh, it just all comes down to, again, you know, Brady is just, you know, can the Saints get pressure on him like they did earlier in that early season game? Uh, they pressured on 54% of his dropbacks in week nine. Uh, but he was pressured on 33% of his dropbacks last week against Washington and still threw for 381 yards, hit some big plays. Uh, so, I mean, he's, he's really dialed in. This offense is playing its best stretch of football right now. 
And, you know, TA had the tweet where he talked about the, you know, since week nine, these are the top eight teams and, you know, EPA. Uh, and there's something to be said about when you're playing your best football and that, and the Bucks are doing that right now, at least offensively. Uh, this passing game is not better. They've been more aggressive passing as well. The one they've been used, they've used a lot more play action uh, since their buy. They've used play action on 27% of their dropbacks since their week 13 buy. It was just 18% prior. And Brady is second in the NFL in touchdown passes on play action over that span. And they've gotten more aggressive on early downs you know over that span as well uh throwing 54 percent of the time on first down outside the fourth quarter uh, eight and a half yards per attempt on those after just 49 percent prior 7.1 yards per attempt on those first down throws i do think that the saints offense is probably a little better than it's getting credit for and their saints defense is a little bit worse than it's giving credit for um now, the thing throws wrench in this is that they, the Bucks is part of the sample, but they've only faced seven offenses that are in the top 12 in offensive EPA this season. In those games, they've allowed 27 points per game, and that includes the three points that they allowed to the Bucks in week nine. Uh, but e- even with that game factored in, they've their games have been higher scoring when they face competent offenses. Uh, even in this stretch, they've been awesome. I mean, they, the, 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 they played the Vikings uh, on Christmas day and they score 85 combined points the week before they play the chiefs uh, and they score 71 combined points. There still is a path for this game to be more higher scoring than people believe it, it will be. Um, it was bet up initially. I would have loved to, to bet the over on the 49, but you know, I, I'm a guy that goes through a local bookie. So I'm going to get the worst of the number there. Uh, but I think this game, has potentially a lot more exciting. I think people think that this game is going to be a lot like the Rams Packers game. And I think there's a, an actual opportunity for this game to be, uh, you know, more higher scoring and feature more touchdown production than, than really anyone does coming into this game. Yeah, I'm on, uh, I took Tampa at the three and a half and I delayed 130. You get it at like 125. Um, and to me, you know, the case I make is if these two teams had not played. Uh, earlier this year and it was just you know you just took their resumes I think this line would be more two two and a half I mean my model has it at two and a half um, I think that's the number it should be but but I think you're paying a little bit of a tax because of that you know uh, re- recency bias with what happened um, in the two games this, this year and I think um, you know obviously there's really no home field advantage here so you really shouldn't give uh, the Saints a, you know maybe you give them a point that's kind of the standard I think at these days is you give, you know, just for the travel, I guess, uh, in the, the, you know, unfamiliarity um, of the surroundings, you give a point to the home team. But, you know, I, I think these teams are essentially even. Uh, maybe the Saints are a point or two uh, above. But uh, so I think a three and a half is a good number. Even at three, I think you're fine. Um, you know, you look back since 2000, there have been 27 cases where we've had kind of the third third go around uh, with, the, with the same matchup in the playoffs. And the underdogs are actually 17 and 10 against the spread. 15 of the 17 won outright. Uh, we saw two last week with the Browns and the Rams, uh, not only covering but winning outright. So I think that you know the whole thing about um, you know familiarity, I think it helps here. Now there's only been seven cases that I found where it's a team lost both meetings and then faced uh, the third time, and those teams went three and four straight up and four and three against the spread. So really nothing there. So really, twenty one times, twenty one times since the merger, it's happened. Uh, okay. And home teams are actually twelve and five. The teams that swept, uh, home teams are twelve and five straight up. They're fourteen and seven in totality. Well, I mean, yeah, although this year, uh, I don't think the home, you know, some of these yeah. home friends aren't as big a deal. So um, the Saints so, were the last team to do it too. It was uh, three years ago. It was against Panthers. They beat them all three times. Gotcha. But I don't think they did. They cover in that that playoff game. I'm not sure. 
Um, um, no, I don't recall. Yeah, I, I could that was out, a but. game. But anyway, so I, I think for some of those cases, I think if you, you kind of ignored all that, um, I think you're, you're paying a little bit of a tax here with the Saints. Um, I, I think there's a couple of fluky things that happened, especially in that first game. Um, obviously, first game of the year, no, no training camp. You've got Tom Brady in there. Um, you know, he threw a pick six on a – I think it was supposed to be an out route to, to Mike Evans, and there was miscommunication. It was picked off for seven. Um, there was another time uh, late in the third quarter where um, the Saints, after, after uh, they scored, uh, did kind of a, um, you know, lofted up a, a kickoff. Uh, and it was muffed, and they got the ball at the uh, inside the, the Tampa 20, ended up kicking a field goal there. But, other, you know, that was kind of 10 points that were not on. And they also had a blocked field goal, Tampa did. Um, so, you know, you had kind of some fluky things that you don't expect to, for that to occur all the time. I mean, Tampa outgained the Saints 4.8 to 4.1 on a yards per play basis. They had five more first downs um, on only one more play in that game. So they essentially, you know, if you want to call it an even game, I don't think that was really a blowout situation. So, you know, I think that is, um, you know, one thing you have to look at. In the second game, they got their asses kicked. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, the, the Ali Marpet injury before that game was huge. I mean, Ali Marpet's the third uh, best-rated guard by PFF uh, in the NFL. He's top 10 in pass blocking. His replacement with a guy named Joe Haig is a journeyman. And in that game, he got absolutely destroyed. He allowed seven pressures. And you mentioned Brady was was pressured on half his pass attempts. I mean, seven pressures from one position is just incredible. Four hurries on only 44 pass block snaps. He got absolutely destroyed. Um, and that's where you get Brady. You know, you don't get him uh, with pressure on the edges because he could step up. He's really good at feeling the pressure and stepping up and making throws. And that's what you saw last week. Um, you know, the, the, the Washington got pressure, but it was mainly from the edges. And he was able to step up and make plays. When you get pressure up the middle, which is what happened when Marpet was out of this game last time, um, he, he was terrible. And they, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what Arians does here because they didn't run the ball at all. I mean, they literally had like five rushing plays in that game in the second matchup, and they never ran it early. They threw a ton. They threw deep, especially in their first couple drives on first down. Um, and that's hard to do when you're uh, facing a good pass rush and you have a backup uh, guard in there. Um, and it really was a disaster. I'm curious to see if they just kind of scrap what they did last time and run the ball early, which I wouldn't like to see, but I'd rather just see the quick passing game, you know, get the ball out to Godwin, get the ball out to Antonio Brown, um, make that kind of your, your, your essentially your, your um, replacement for, for running the football early. But I think that was really a big issue, and you're going to have Marpet back. So um, I think they'll be in a better situation there. And as, as uh, Rich mentioned, they have used more play action lately. I think they've, they've had a better game plan. Um, and I think Antonio Brown has really added to that the, that receiving core, um, just another weapon. So um, I think you're getting value here at three and a half. I think you're, you know, I said three is fine too. I think you're 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 paying the tax with the Saints here because of you know what has happened in the first two matchups. Um, and you know Tampa really has slowed down Alvin Kamara. I think he's only got 61 rushing yards in two games against Tampa. They're you know the best run defense in the NFL against running backs. Uh, and they've got really fast linebackers who could defend Kamara out of the backfield. He's, um, you know, he hasn't had success in, in the receiving game. So that's two areas that, you know, Breeze loves to go to, um, you know, uh, in, in this offense. So if you can slow that down, and it's going to be a matter of, is Breeze going to uh, be effective going downfield? He doesn't really throw the ball at all down the field. And, you know, he's going to have to hit Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and kind of the, the short intermediate routes, which is really where he, um, has excelled this year and you know that's how he's going to have to extend drive so 
Uh, I think it's a really good game. I think it's a little bit lower scoring. I would personally go under if I had to. I am not taking the under, but to me, this is more of an upper 40s type of outcome. I think this is like a, a 20, you know, uh, 24, 23 type game. But, um, you know, uh, Tampa, Tampa has been leaky, uh, as you mentioned, Rich, um, especially in the last second half of the year. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, EPA per play on, on defense uh, since week nine, um, Tampa ranks 26 in the NFL. So, um, and this is after ranking second in the first eight, first eight games. So um, they haven't been nearly as good uh, um, defending, especially defending the pass um, in the back half of the year. And we saw that Tyler Heineke had some success last week. So um, you might be right. There might be a lot of points here. And um, that, that's why that's what's keeping me off of this under is just that they've struggled lately, um, especially against the pass. So, uh, but I think it's going to be a really good game. I, I don't, I, it's hard for me to, to imagine another blowout here. So how quickly into this game does Chauncey Gardner-Johnson try to get Antonio Brown ejected? Two plays. <laughs> well, he'll be on Godwin, so it's a, we got to be Godwin. That, that, hasn't, that hasn't mattered. He, I don't think he's in the games. I don't think he covered. Oh, who he's guarding? Yeah, yeah it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Why can't we get him mic'd up? I want to know what he's saying to these guys. That's amazing. <laughs> He's had three. He's had two bears, and Michael Thomas has punched him in the face. Like his, his own teammate. His own teammate punched amazing, him. Amazing, just an uh, amazing, amazing underutilized weapon of, of taunting. Um, it's great. So I think oh, to go back to serious analysis here, um, th- this game is going to really come down to uh, who can stop what the other team is doing well. I think for New Orleans, it's, it's so much of you know when Michael Thomas is on the field, that short game works right we saw when he wasn't on the field when it's not like the most efficient short game in the league the saints struggle to move the ball a little bit with michael thomas and i think this happened kind of early on um in in the bears game uh you know those short passes to michael thomas were hitting at you know eight nine yards a clip and you can move the ball that way when when you're just a league average offense in that short game that doesn't work but with michael thomas it it works for the saints um and then it eventually i think the bears kind of put uh, a kyle fuller on thomas and that slowed him down uh through the middle of the game but it, at that point it, it didn't totally matter uh but they came out targeting thomas early there and i think you can you know move thomas around get him into the slot i think when you look at some of the corners that Tampa Bay has uh, when you're getting uh, the matchups in the slot, I think especially against Sean Murphy bunting, that's kind of where that weakness is in the secondary. So I think if you can isolate that, uh, you have the chance to continue to uh, move the ball down the field a little bit. And then the, on the other side of the ball, you know, Tampa Bay is going to throw deep. That's just what they're doing so well right now. Not only are they, you know, throwing deep, you know, accurately. And, you know, since I think week, uh, what am I looking at? Since you know, week 12, um, Tampa Bay is hitting uh, 60% of passes that are going uh, 20 or more air yards. Uh, that's 20.5 yards per attempt, which led the league 123.2 yards per game, which is uh, insane. Over that same stretch, the next closest team was getting 88.5 yards per game on deep passes. So uh, Tampa has just completely embraced this. And it's not just that they're hitting these well. Like these are well-schemed passes. They're They're putting defenders into conflict and I think that's kind of where you can get the Saints going to you know Marshawn Lattimore is really a hit or miss he's either great or he can really be picked on I think the same thing with Janoris Jenkins um, a a little bit so and when you just have so many guys I think that's kind of what Tampa Bay 
got Washington on. There were just so many targets. There's just so much talent there, especially whether you're in 11 that has Evans, Antonio Brown, and Chris Godwin, or you go into 12 now when you're putting a getting heavier and you have Rob Gronkowski, who's been okay, and Cameron Braid, who's really come on uh, the second half of the season. And he's been, you know, a, a red zone threat. He's been able to stretch horizontally or, or stretch vertically, sorry, um, in in some of these passing concepts. And I think they're just, they've figured out what they know how to do well. They're scheming it open so well and Brady has been able to hit it. So, um, but throughout the season, New Orleans has been one of the best teams in uh, defending the deep pass. So it's just, oh, who can stop what, uh, what the other team is going to do well and know, we know what they want to do because that's really what it is. New Orleans is going to rely on that super efficiency on the short passes. Uh, Tampa Bay is, wants to hit those big plays. So I think we're, we're going to see how, how those go against each other here. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it's probably going to be a close game. I, I can't imagine it's going to be another New Orleans. Well, uh, Tampa Bay is just playing on a different level uh, than they were uh, when these two teams last met. So, man, I, this is going to be a, a really interesting game. And uh, depending on, it's, it's so fascinating because, I think so much of this, especially in the NFC, is so matchup based, right? Um, if we see, you know, we, we saw what Tampa Bay was able to do to Green Bay, but I think uh, New Orleans, uh, whether they match up and if the Rams are in there, it's like we, we don't have, you know, Kansas City is, you know, supposed to be the favorite in the AFC, but these NFC matchups are, are just so interesting because they can uh, really go either way. And I think that's, that's what makes this, uh, these games uh, going to be a lot of fun this weekend. I really don't think there's like a, a clear, you know, there's no game where we're just looking at it. It's just like, Oh, we know how this is going to go. Um, and there's not really uh, much sense in watching it. Like we, we kind of knew what new Orleans and Chicago was going to be last week. Like we knew that game was not going to be close. We, we knew how that was going to play out. I don't think there's any game like that this week. And that's why I'm really excited to watch all four of these games. Who's the so, upset though. We, we said it's, it's only four times the past 20 years, all four favorites have won. TA sounds like he's leaning Bucks. Yeah, I would say Bucks and Ravens, but you know those are obviously the lowest spread games. It wouldn't shock me if if the if the Rams won. Um, I mean, the Browns would shock me. I mean, I, even though I think they can score with them. I mean, at the end of the day, to go in oh, yeah, with that, yeah. and beat Mo, I, mean, I don't I don't consider that. So I, I I think that any one of those those first three it wouldn't wouldn't shock me. I wouldn't sit here and be like, oh my god, how did that happen? Like I think they're very very capable teams. I mean, I'm in too deep with the Rams, so I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just fully, fully going in. Heels completely uh, dug in on this take. Um, the health of a quarterback, uh, be damned. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with the Rams. <laughs> well, I tell you, I, I kind of like the Bucks too, uh, but that's just me like standing for the Bills too as well. <laughs> well, look, the Bucks are my. I, I felt like. You know, I took them high in our draft. It was a third pick, I believe, in our in our uh, preseason wins pool. I, you know, there's a lot of people that really don't like Tom Brady, especially in the analytics community. I mean, maybe you guys tell me, but I felt like um, so many people were just like, oh, see, he wasn't that good at, at, in New England. He couldn't throw the deep ball. And I'm just That's like just America there. Everyone's a hater, man. No, but I mean, because <laughs> I mean, my, my case, when I remember when I um, I think it was our first pod we did, I said, look, I, I really think that people laugh. 
like he was sick of playing in freezing weather and bad, you know, bad conditions with no weapons. And he just said, look, I always want to be in warm weather. I'm going to play in domes in, in New Orleans and uh, in Atlanta. Um, I'm going to have perfect conditions. Cause when he, you know, last season, early in the year, when it was good weather, he was really good. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't struggling at all. He had Antonio Brown for one or two games. And so I think that's what he did. And so I always had this kind of thing where, I thought Tampa really had a shot to win, win the Super Bowl. So I am, you know, inside kind of rooting for, um, for Tampa here to, to come out of the NFC. Cause I think it would be awesome. Um, and I think it'd be a great story. And I just think they're a fun team with all those weapons. Uh, and I like their defense too. And they're some really good players. So I, I'm actually good with any of these teams um, really in the NFC. I, I will say like, it would kind of suck to have golf in the Super Bowl, um, but that team is still good. And I have so much respect for Aaron Donald and, and Ramsey and what Staley's doing. Um, but uh, I think, you know, any of these matchups, all eight are deserving right here. Any of these matchups, matchups would be fantastic. Even, you know, like even my Browns, um, they're fun to watch. They scored 41 plus, uh, 41, uh, plus points in, in three of their last, you know, six games. So it's like they can put up points and it's a great, you know, uh, great story. So, I, I'm excited for any of these matchups next week and for the Super Bowl. And, um, and I'll say, uh, personally, I'm leaning leaning Tampa uh, just because uh, I want to be proven right, <laughs> first and foremost. But I think I, any of these matchups would be great. There we go. We're not really rooting for teams. We're just rooting for our takes. And Absolutely. But there, there you go. <laughs> All right, so on that note, I think we're going to uh, end it here. Uh, you can find all of our work on sharpfootballanalysis.com. Rich, all of his uh, work has been uh, free for the playoffs. The worksheet for the divisional rounds uh, is up. You can also find uh, player rankings, uh, DFS values uh, later in the week. You can find him on Twitter at WarReebs. At TA has a betting preview that is already up on the site you can find him on twitter at cleave ta you can find me on twitter at dan pizzuta thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon